What's up, everyone, and welcome back to this Monday edition of the Backwards Hat Podcast. All right, everyone, before we jump into everything, make sure to connect with us on all of our social media platforms. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, TikTok, Snapchat, and WhatsApp. So add or follow us on all of those platforms to keep updated with our new episodes and our thoughts on current sports topics. Um, Also, shoot us a text on WhatsApp at 317-798-9969. I'd love to have a little texting community going there. Uh, We can share thoughts and opinions on different subjects, primarily the XFL, obviously. But yeah, go ahead and do that, and I would love to connect with you all. But if anyone saw the update episode in the middle of last week, I informed you that I would be switching to a daily show that's going to zoom in a little bit on each team during the week based on what I have listed in the power rankings. Since that's the case, I posted this on Facebook and Twitter, yeah, I posted on Twitter and LinkedIn today, but I'm going to give you my power rankings and explain a little bit more in detail about my show going forward. So um, this is in order number one through eight. I have the Houston Roughnecks, St. Louis Battlehawks, DC Defenders, Dallas Renegades, Los Angeles Wildcats, Seattle Dragons, Tampa Bay Vipers, and the New York Guardians. And a little bit more about the show. So basically, I'm going to be using these power rankings to decide which teams I'm talking about on a, uh, any given day. So on Mondays, I'll be talking about teams ranked number one and two. So obviously, this week, that'll be the Roughnecks and the Battlehawks. Tuesdays are going to be three and four. Wednesdays will be five and six. Thursdays will be seven and eight. And then Friday is going to be a preview of the upcoming games. And I'm going to talk a little bit about about gambling lines because it's apparent that the XFL is really wanting to get involved in that. And yeah, just doing a preview and telling you what I'm most excited for. I'm going to try and do three points about what I'm most excited for on those days. So a few short takeaways from this weekend on how I arrived at those particular rankings before we dive further into the Roughnecks and the Battlehawks. Number one is what in the world happened to the DC Defenders yesterday? I said this last week, but the LA Wildcats are much, much better than week one and week two showed. We absolutely saw that on display yesterday. Obviously, the defenders did not play well, but they're still good enough that to beat them, you have to play a heck of a ball game. And I think with Josh Johnson as the QB now for the Wildcats, they are a much, much better squad. And number two, the Battlehawks, they are much better than we think. Even though they got the respect of everyone after last week's close call with the Roughnecks, I think they're still even better than what people are giving them credit for. Um, So that's why I've moved them into the number two slot in my power rankings. Another point from this league is that the Guardians are now the worst team in the league, in my opinion, and their decline continues And lastly, I said this last week, but the Vipers are better than we think right now as well. As you can see, I had them above the Guardians in my rankings, even though they're the only team in the league without a win. They're still trying to mess around with this 2QB system. I don't think it's going to work, but they're running the ball really well. So I, I think that they are better than what they're showing. Now, whether or not they can translate that to wins is remained or remains to be seen. So 
With all that being said, as promised, we will dive a little deeper into the Roughnecks and Battlehawks, starting with the Roughnecks of Houston. We cannot talk about this team without first talking about this unbelievable duo of Philip Walker and Cam Phillips, ironically the two guys with the name Phillips. But P.J. Walker is leading the league right now with 748 yards passing, which is 136 more than Jordan Ta'amu, who's in second place. He also has 10 touchdowns through the first three weeks, which, get this, seven of them are to Cam Phillips. Seven touchdowns in three weeks to the same receiver. It's unbelievable. Cam Phillips is leading the league as well with 324 yards receiving ahead of second place Nelson Spruce by 68 yards. I'm actually at a point right now where I would be okay if Cam Phillips won the league MVP. I completely understand that you have to have a great QB to get you the ball. Typically, QB's rankings are going to be inflated anyways because it's obviously the most important position in the sport. But to be responsible for seven of your quarterback's touchdowns means you really, really have to be getting yourself open a lot and making tons of phenomenal catches. And either way, I think a receiver that's averaging 108 yards and more than two touchdowns a game, I think they really have to be your MVP right now. Him and P.J. Walker, they're definitely number one and number two, or if you want to go 1A and 1B because Phillip Walker's been that good. But I would think Cam is my pick as of right now. Understandably for the Roughnecks, they really haven't needed to run the ball very much, but James Butler had himself a really nice ball game this week with 72 yards on seven carries. Granted, 30 of them were on one carry, but even if you take that carry away, that's still six carries for seven or for 42 yards, good enough for seven yards per carry without the long run. This, I think it's big for the Roughnecks because they haven't really needed to establish themselves on the ground to win ball games. But if they can run it this efficiently on a consistent basis, they're virtually going to be unstoppable. On the defensive side of the ball, that's where my most concern is right now. They're doing enough to win ball games, but when you look at the first three weeks, they gave up 27 points to the Vipers, who are still, like I said earlier, running that stupid 2QB look with Flowers and Cornelius. I know that they're missing Aaron Murray, but Murray was pretty much a dud in week one, so we really don't know who's better between him and Taylor Cornelius. I am of the opinion that they need to be starting Quentin Flowers, but I digress. We're talking about the uh, Roughnecks right now. But like I said, they gave up 27 points to the Vipers. They gave up 24 to the Battlehawks, which isn't horrible because they have some really dynamic guys on offense, namely Jordan Ta'amu. And they gave up 17 in week one to the L.A. Wildcats, who were starting Charles Kanoff at that point. Obviously a little bit of a downgrade from Josh Johnson. But like I said, they've done enough to win, and their offense is certainly going to score points. But I think this is eventually going to hurt them if they have, you know, if they have as rough of a time going forward as they did with the Vipers, because that's not a very good offense. So 27 points is a little bit hard to to explain from that defense. But like I said, it's a little bit like, you know, think about the New Orleans Saints. Saints have always been known for scoring tons and tons of points and always giving up tons of points. I mean, that's kind of what the Roughnecks are looking like right now, but if they keep winning ball games, I'm not going to move them down. So all in all, 
the collapse that DC had this week, I, I said this on Twitter, it definitely solidifies Houston's place as the number one team in the XFL. And I'm really looking forward to their matchup against the Renegades this weekend. Somebody on Twitter used the term the Tex-FL series to describe this game this weekend, which, you know, I thought that was pretty creative. And I'll get into this game a little bit more on Friday, but I think it's going to be a great crosstown rivalry, and we will get to see the first edition of it this weekend. So let's move on to the Battle Hawks of St. Louis, who put a nice little beat down on the Guardians this past week, 29-9. The Guardians' only touchdown came when the game was well in hand, so that really doesn't worry me much about the Battle Hawks' defense. First and foremost, we can't really talk about this game without talking about the first ever return for touchdown on a kickoff in XFL history, which came in stylish fashion. For those of you that may not have seen, Keith Mumphrey fielded the return, and they ran a reverse, and he lateraled the ball to Joe Powell, who then turned on the Jets to take that ball to the house. This is why I love the kickoff rule in the XFL, because the kickoff changes games. Field position is a humongous part of the game, and I think what the NFL is leaning towards, you know, testing out this in the Pro Bowl and stuff, just not having kickoffs, I just I think it is going to affect the game a lot in terms of field position. But if the NFL does not take anything away from the XFL, they need to take this. The kickoff stays intact without having massive collisions of guys running all the way down the field. But, of course, the NFL won't because they're greedy and they won't want to be mentioned in the same breath as the XFL. So there's always that. For the Battle Hawks offensively, they continue to be a force on the ground. And they've been very well balanced in their approach. They've been over 100 yards in all three games, over 150 in two of them. And in fact, actually, here's their yardage total on the ground for the first three games. In week one, they had 191 yards. Last week, they had 126. And over the weekend, they had 156 yards. They're currently in the lead in rushing yards by 53 over the Vipers, who essentially have to run to have any hopes of offensive production at all. So I'm going to give the edge to the Battle Hawks in the ground game here. I don't want this to put a damper, though, on what Jordan Ta'amu has done through the well, or through the air as well. Sorry. He's currently second in the league with 612 yards through the air. He also has 123 on the ground. His two interceptions came last week against the Roughnecks, so he's he's definitely cleaning that up. He's, he's really dynamic. I mean, it's kind of a nice little battle that you have going on now between uh, – who do we have here? We have P.J. Walker. Cardo Jones was not impressive at all, so I think you got to move to Amu and Josh Johnson up there into the league's top QB, so it's a nice little battle we have going up top. P.J. Walker, obviously, still by far and away the best. Defensively, though – the Battle Hawks have seven sacks through three games, so they're getting to the quarterback really well. What's impressed me so far, though, number one, the sacks, but number two is it just seems like they're imposing their will on other offenses. Let's break down the three games. Week one, they held the Renegades without a touchdown. Dallas was without Landry Jones, so that makes a difference, but they held them nonetheless. Week two, they give up 28 to the Roughnecks. Not great. But the Roughnecks have had by far and away the number one offense in the league. And even in that game, they held them to one score in the second half while they mounted a comeback. So they made some big-time adjustments and really shut down that offense in the second half, which 
you know, translated to this past weekend. So in week three, they give up one touchdown in garbage time to the Guardians. They aren't forcing tons of turnovers. They only have a couple on the year, but they're just shutting drives down. What I remembered from, you know, in my football playing days was, yeah, turning the ball over sucks. It was demoralizing when, you know, you're constantly giving the other team possessions. But it just, I think it sucked a lot worse when you knew you're not moving the ball against them. They might not be picking you off or forcing fumbles, but I just know every time we carry the ball, we're gaining a yard. Every time we throw the ball, we're not really getting anything. And that's just kind of what they're doing. They're not turning the ball over a lot on other teams. They're just really shutting drives down. So I think it's pretty demoralizing. I expect that to continue rolling against the Dragons who really don't have what it takes to go into St. Louis and win. So I fully expect St. Louis to be 3-1 and one after this coming weekend. Let's talk about St. Louis as a sports city, though, because this has been kind of a hot topic over the weekend. So their attendance was just under 30,000, which is highly impressive, especially for the XFL. But I also heard on a radio station that there were vendors around the stadium that were out of beer with more than an hour to go before kickoff because so many people were out tailgating all day long. That's got to be probably the most impressive stat of the day is that so many people were tailgating that they ran out of beer. Got to be a record of some kind, but a little interesting tidbit about that. I did see an article this morning where someone was talking about, Oh, the NFL made a mistake by moving to LA instead of staying in St. Louis where this fan base is so rabid and so supportive. I do have to say it's hard to argue with the attendance numbers though, that the Rams have had in LA. You can call it greed if you want to, but from 2008 to 2015, the highest average attendance in St. Louis for the NFL games was 59,980 with the average of all of those years being just under 56,000 since they've been in LA. Their highest year was 2016, which was their first year in LA where they averaged over 80,000 per game. And their lowest year was over 63,000 per game, which was then 2017, so their second year. So, I understand the nostalgic part of it, you know, you want to be in places where the people are just in a love affair with their team, but the numbers are really difficult to argue with on that. Regardless, I'm personally glad, though, that football is back in St. Louis. It was really cool to see them show out like that. Maybe, just maybe, I should start an XFL to Indianapolis Twitter account to see if we can get an expansion team here. All they'd really need to do is partner with the Indy 11 and say they're going to share a stadium that the city of Indianapolis still has not approved. But once they do approve it, then they get to share it with the 11, and it's going to be 20,000 people. So that would be amazing for Indianapolis. I've, I've been seeing like XFL2 blank, you know, just insert city. I've been seeing accounts on Twitter pop up, most namely XFL to Canton. I've been seeing a lot of that. I would really like that. That would be pretty awesome to have a team in the, you know, Football Hall of Fame town. But all right, everyone, that's all I have for today. Like I said, these episodes are going to be much shorter, but I feel like I can put a little bit more effort into researching and giving info on each team instead of having to do it all on a Monday or a Friday, you know, because in that case, usually the episodes go 45 minutes or more. And I'd like you to be able to listen to this and not have to carve a huge chunk of time out. So But like I said, that's all I have for today. Tomorrow we have number three and four in the power rankings, which I currently have as the D.C. Defenders and the Dallas Renegades. So if you're a fan of either of those teams, make sure to tune in. Or if you're just a football slash XFL fan, we'd love to have you listen. 
as always, follow us on all of our social media accounts. Connect with us on WhatsApp. Send us a text so we can hear your opinions. Thank you so much for listening to Backwards Hat Podcast, and we will see you tomorrow.